You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 and, of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show with Gavin Walker coming right up right now.
Well, as they say, welcome to September. Yes, this is the first edition uh, this September of 2019 of The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker, and of course we have a whole lineup and array of different styles of jazz to play for you until the wee small hours of the morning. And of course, as usual, we always start with our jazz feature. And this time, it's a gentleman by the name of Victor Stanley Feldman. Victor Feldman was arguably one of the finest jazz musicians that Great Britain ever produced. He was born in Edgware in London, April 7, 1934, and sadly died in his adopted home of Los Angeles from an asthma attack at the comparatively young age of 53, May the 12th, 1987. Victor Feldman was a child prodigy, and he began drums at the age of seven and was playing professionally by that time with his um, two brothers and a whole bunch of older musicians who frequented his dad's jazz club in London. And eventually he took up the piano uh, at age nine <laughs> and was uh, very soon playing professionally on that instrument. And at 14, he fell in love with the vibraphone, the vibes, and uh, added that to his arsenal. So he was a rather amazing musician and, and did a lot of recording uh, over in London, which is um, on, on various labels over there, which weren't very well distributed in, in America, but uh, you can likely find them on the Internet nowadays because just about everything is available. But uh, Victor emigrated to the United States in 1955 and toured with Woody Herman's big band, and Woody also had a small group, which included Victor. And then he later turned, uh, toured with um, the great modern jazz clarinetist Buddy DeFranco. Then after those tours, he returned to the UK uh, to get his papers in order and play some gigs over there and decided to move to Los Angeles. And he was welcomed in L.A. The music scene was booming at that time in the mid-50s. And Victor, of course, uh, with, his, uh, with all of his multi-talents, and uh, he was a great reader uh, of music. Um, and, of course, to perform in the uh, movie studios and, the, and TV studios and so on, you really had to have those skills together. Um, you were asked to play some very, very complex music on very short notice, and if you didn't have your reading skills together, then you wouldn't get any more calls. Uh, it was like that then, very competitive. Anyway, he fell into um, uh, studio and movie t and TV work, but there were a lot of jazz gigs as well, and of course, uh, um, that was his first love, and he was gigging with, his, uh, with various people in Los Angeles at that time. And then he formed his own little group and um, began to uh, play gigs under his own name. And this led to our jazz feature album, which is basically 
with the musicians that he loved to play with. And those people included 21-year-old Scott LaFarrell, who was not yet famous, but of course was about to be, um, especially when he moved east and began playing with such people as Stan Getz and especially Bill Evans. And of course, it was one of the big tragedies of jazz that Scott LaFarrell um, lost his life in a car accident in 1961. And we lost one of the most innovative and finest bass players ever. And of course, his influence goes down today. So Scott LaFarrell um, was on this uh, recording. This is his debut recording. And on drums, a veteran who, of course, is, was one of the acknowledged pioneers of modern jazz. He was really one of the movers and shakers of the drums, along with the great Max Roach and Kenny Clark. We have to include Stan Levy. And Stan, of course, had played with uh, Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie and um, so many other people and moved to uh, Los Angeles to a fairly uh, lucrative career doing studio work and playing lots and lots of jazz. Stan Levy is one of the great drummers. So Victor uh, is featured here on this album on piano and vibes, backed up by Scott LaFaro on bass and Stan Levy on drums. And all of this uh, was recorded in January 21st and 22nd in 1958 for contemporary records, and it came out, this was Victor's very first American album under his own name. It's got a great cover, and it's called The Arrival of Victor Feldman. So that's, uh, that's the album. We'll get back to that in a few seconds. Now, we should know, and this is kind of away from the album for a moment, Victor later on joined Cannonball Adderley's quintet for about six months and toured with them um, and, of course, made, uh, wrote a lot of tunes for Cannonball uh, and also was just incredibly wonderful in, uh, in the Cannonball Adderley quintet, one of the most popular bands in jazz. Then Miles Davis, of all people, heard Victor and he loved his playing, and Miles was looking at the time for a new pianist in his band. Um, Winton Kelly had left, and Harold Mayburn was only in his band very briefly, um, and Miles was really looking for the next great pianist to join his band. And when he heard Victor, he asked him to join his band, and Victor said no. Um, I appreciate the offer, but I'm very happy in Los Angeles now. Uh, I'm busy, and I'm also making very good money. Miles offered him a huge salary, and Victor said, yeah, I understand. That's nice, and I would really love to do it, but I, I really don't want to tour anymore, and I'm happy living in Los Angeles, so thank you very much. And he turned down Miles Davis's offer. But he did record with Miles on part of one of Miles' more famous albums called Seven Steps to Heaven. And uh, Victor is on several tunes on that album with Miles. He record, um, Victor wrote the title track of that album, Seven Steps to Heaven, 
And he wrote another tune called Joshua, which both of those tunes became a big part of Miles' repertoire. So Miles really admired Victor, but uh, there you go. Victor was happy in L.A. and decided to stay. So he, he did very well. Uh, Victor did extremely well, did scads of gigs, TV, radio, movie work, all that kind of stuff, and so much jazz work, more than he could really handle. Uh, he was a very busy man and uh, very successful, and it's too bad that his early death um, took him away from us because it was a huge shock to the music community um, and the jazz community at large uh, to lose Victor Feldman at age 53 from an asthma attack. He was also very well liked as a person, and um, everyone loved Victor Feldman. So we'll get back to this album. As I mentioned, Victor's on vibes and piano, both of his main instruments, Scott LaFaro on bass and Stan Levy on drums, and there's 10 tunes on this album. And we'll quickly run them down. The first tune is a tune that is um, credited to Miles Davis, but he didn't write it. Jimmy Heath wrote the tune. Miles recorded it and absconded with the composer's rights. Miles did this to a few tunes. Jimmy Heath later forgave him, but the tune is called The Serpent's Tooth, and that's the tune that opens this set, and Victor is featured on vibes on that tune. The second uh, two tunes are, uh, well, the, first, uh, the second tune is by Frederick Chopin, but it's arranged by Victor Feldman, and it has a very simple title, Waltz. Tune number three is called Chasing Shadows, and that's a Victor Feldman original. Tune number four is a, is a standard, very beautiful tune called Flamingo. Tune number five is another standard tune called Sposen. Tune number six is unbelievable. It's a version of Dizzy Gillespie's um, incredible composition entitled Bebop, and it's played at a tempo that you would not believe. Hearing is believing. So that's track number six, Bebop. Everything slows down for the next tune. It's a great old standard tune played by all the jazz musicians. There is no greater love, written by Ism Jones. Tune number eight is a blues uh, by Victor Feldman, and it's called Too Blue. Tune number nine is another Feldman composition called Minor Lament. Obviously, it's in a minor key. Tune number ten is a tune that I think uh, most people know, have heard at one time or another, regardless of age. It was written by Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn. The tune is Satin Doll, and that closes this set. So, for Labor Day, A Labor of Love, the music of Victor Feldman from his album, The Arrival of Victor Feldman.
Mm-hmm. Scott LaFaro getting the last word on that last tune on our jazz feature album, The Arrival of Victor Feldman. And we heard, of course, uh, the great late Victor Feldman on piano and vibes and 21-year-old Scott LaFaro making his recording debut on bass and another great jazz master, Stan Levy on drums, one of the great pioneers of modern jazz drumming. All of this was recorded in Los Angeles for Contemporary Records in January of 1958, and it marked the American debut of Victor Feldman. And as I mentioned before at the beginning of the show, Victor um, wasn't with us very long. He died at age 53 in his adopted home of Los Angeles uh, from an asthma attack, sad to say. Victor was born in Edgware in London, April 7, 1934. And uh, as I mentioned before, he was a child prodigy. He was playing professionally when he was seven. Uh, at nine years old, he took up the piano. Um, he began on drums, by the way. Then took up the piano at nine and was playing with uh, professionals very soon after uh, uh, beginning piano lessons. And then he added vibes to his uh, musical arsenal uh, at age 14 and mastered them. And, of course, um, eventually... Um, Victor moved to uh, Los Angeles and established his home there and, of course, became part of the, uh, the jazz scene there. He had more jazz gigs than he could handle. And, of course, he was uh, working in movie studios and um, TV studios, doing that kind of work and because of his versatility and ability to uh, instantly read complex scores. Um, Eventually, he went on. He recorded, um, uh, he was a sideman on a lot of very famous pop recordings as well and, and rock recordings. Um, Victor was very um, adaptable and a uh, very successful musician, deservedly so. And he was also, uh, from all accounts, an extremely um, congenial and very nice person. And it's too bad he was taken away from us uh, at age 53. That's pretty young these days. Anyway, this was his um, debut album, um, debut U.S. album. He had recorded quite a bit in England before moving to uh, um, Los Angeles. Victor also played with Cannonball Adderley, toured with them for about six months, and, of course, was uh, um, Miles Davis wanted him as his pianist, and offered Victor tons of money. But uh, Victor turned Miles down because he wanted to remain in Los Angeles and he wasn't into touring anymore. So that was it. Sorry, Miles. Um, I've got enough to do here. <laughs> and he did. Anyway, back to this album. What we heard were 10 tunes, uh, very well-selected tunes on the album, you know, there's nothing revolutionary about this music. It's just um, just really, really fine jazz played by three master musicians. And we opened with a composition accredited to Miles Davis, uh, except that he didn't write it. He appropriated it. Jimmy Heath wrote it. And um, 
forgave Miles years later because they were great buddies for taking his tune and uh, <laughs> and the royalties on the tune. Anyway, um, the first tune was called The Serpent's Tooth, and uh, the, the true composer of that tune is Jimmy Heath. The second tune was written by Frederick Chopin, and it Vic- was Victor's arrangement of a composition called Waltz. Tune number three was uh, a Victor Feldman original composition called Chasing Shadows. Tune number four was a beautiful version of the great ballad Flamingo. And then we heard um, a nice bouncy version of a familiar tune, standard tune called Sposen. And then an incredible up-tempo version of Dizzy Gillespie's uh, amazing tune called Bebop. At a tempo you, well, you heard. If you were listening, you would have heard that tempo, and I guarantee I don't think you'd be able to snap your fingers or pat your feet to it. It's too fast. Tune number seven slowed things down, and with a great standard tune that play, every jazz musician plays this tune. It's called There Is No Greater Love, written by Ism Jones. Tune number eight is a Victor Feldman composition called Too Blue. Tune number nine is uh, kind of was kind of a ballad, a lament. That's what it was called, Minor Lament, written by Victor Feldman. And the final tune was a very familiar tune, probably one of the most familiar tunes that Duke Ellington ever wrote. And I'm talking about Satin Doll. And that was the final tune of the set. So that was our jazz feature on The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker. And we will return in a very few moments. You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer for live streaming, www.citr.ca. And we'll be right back. Need a good story? Then check out timelesslegend.com. It follows guitarist Miles as she moves to the big city in Meat Tricks and gets sucked into the weird world of Timeless. They tackle some serious issues like sexuality and inequality. You'll be hooked by the compelling story from episode 1. Plus, there's an audiobook that's packed with a full cast of actors and original music to listen to on the go. Again, that's TimelessLegend.com. Use the coupon code 2FREEDOM to get it free right now. That's the number two and then word freedom. If it gets too heavy, oh, you know I'll drop the line. I think I'm closer to God. CITR 101.9 FM, Cushy Entertainment, and Strange Breed are proud to present Permanence, Strange Breed's debut album release party with special guests Wrong, Fallen Stars, and Kitty Prozac. happening September 14th at Redgate Arts Society. This event is all ages, $10 in advance or $15 at the door. You can find out more info on Facebook or visit www.strangebreedband.com. Come celebrate the first ever UNA Neighbors Day on Saturday, September 7th. Formerly known as Barn Raising, Neighbors Day is a free event for everyone. Join us at Jim Taylor Park outside the Old Barn Community Center from 12 to 4 p.m. for a fun day with live music, food, inflatable activities, and much more. 
Featuring music from DJ Hubs and an energetic street party from VYVE, this is an event you don't want to miss. UNA Neighbors Day, Saturday, September 7th. For more information, please visit myuna.ca slash events. for the big week coming up. And tonight, of course, is going to be nice and clear. It is, um, the sun is going down, of course, a lot earlier than it has been because it's, well, <laughs> it's September. Um, there's going to be uh, some partial cloudiness tonight, but uh, nothing to worry about, uh, with a low down of about 15. Then tomorrow is going to be mainly sunny, beautiful day tomorrow. Um, with a low of 15 and highs between 22 and 27. And Wednesday and Thursday are also going to be sunny, with uh, lows down of about 15 and highs between 22 and 28. So it's going to be really beautiful um, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday is a mix of sun and cloud, which is probably just going to be fine, too. And so is Saturday, mix of sun and cloud. And so is Sunday. And uh, temperatures down to about 14 and highs around 22, 23 degrees um, for the latter part of the week. So very pleasant weather, opening the big week, you know, back to school, back to work, all that kind of uh, those cliches. And uh, that's it for the weather and you're listening to CITR 101.9 broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus located on the traditional unceded Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam speaking Musqueam people September 2nd, which is today, um, a couple of people are celebrating birthday anniversaries. Most importantly, pianist, composer Horace Silver. And uh, Horace was one of the real leading figures of modern jazz, beginning in the 50s, going through the 60s, into the 70s, and into the 80s. And Horace, one of the most important composers in jazz, and of course his piano stylings are so distinctive. Horace, um, he was so easy to listen to. He was a very consistent uh, musician. And uh, from 1956 on, he uh, began to lead his own group, his own quintet. 
and of course wrote arrangements and compositions for that. Previously, Horace had been associated with Art Blakey and his jazz messengers and was one of the founding fathers of that group and of course contributed a lot of not only his playing but his compositions to, to that band. And, um, but from 56 on, Horace um, led his own bands and of course, he recorded. He was one of the longest uh, contracted artists to Blue Note Records, and he recorded usually about two albums per year for Blue Note with um, his working band, his quintet. And uh, so, we're going to pay tribute to Horace Silver by playing this particular version of his quintet because another important musician is also celebrating his birthday anniversary and is one of my favorite, all-time favorite tenor saxophonists. I'm talking about Clifford Jordan, Chicago-born Clifford Jordan. And um, he was also born the same day as Horace Silver. So Jordan and Silver uh, are, record, are celebrating their birthday anniversaries wherever they are. Um, and if they're hanging out together, I'm sure, I'm sure they're doing some playing together or sitting around telling stories uh, of their jazz adventures when they were uh, here. Anyway, this particular edition of Horace's Quintet from uh, January of 1958, and this is a Blue Note recording called Further Explorations by the Horace Silver Quintet. And the people he was working with at this time were Art Farmer on trumpet, one of the most distinctive voices of the trumpet, Clifford Jordan, as I mentioned, who's celebrating the birthday anniversary, on tenor saxophone, uh, Teddy Kotick on bass, who was Charlie Parker's favorite bass player. He, uh, Teddy Kotick was uh, held in very high esteem by Charlie Parker. He referred to Teddy as his heartbeat, and uh, that was a great compliment for Teddy, a fi very, very fine bassist. And on drums, the youngest man in the band, he was a, still a teenager then, drummer Lewis Hayes. And uh, Lewis had just arrived from, uh, well, he had been in New York for about a year from Detroit, his hometown. But Lewis Hayes is on drums, and of course, the great Horace Silver on piano. You know, the Lone Ranger and the great Horace Silver? Well, there you go. We're going to hear some tunes from this album. Um... The first composition is called The Outlaw. And, of course, all these tunes are written by Horace Silver. The second tune is called Pyramid. And the third tune is called Safari. Three tunes from Horace Silver's album, Further Explorations by the Horace Silver Quintet, as a birthday tribute to both Mr. Silver and Mr. Jordan. Thank you. 
Yeah, I thought I'd uh, tack on another one from this wonderful album in tribute to the great Horace Silver, whose quintet that was. And, of course, uh, the tenor saxophonist in that band was Clifford Jordan and both Mr. Horace Silver, the leader and pianist, and Clifford Jordan, the tenor saxophonist, are celebrating birthday anniversaries today, September 2nd. This is from a Blue Note album from recorded in early 1958. This particular edition of the Horace Silver Quintet featured Art Farmer on trumpet, Clifford Jordan, as I mentioned, on tenor saxophone, Teddy Kotick on bass, and a very young Louis Hayes on drums. He was still a teenager. And we heard four compositions by Horace Silver from this album. 
And the first one was entitled The Outlaw. The second piece of music was entitled Pyramid. The third piece of music was called Safari. And the fourth, the added-on one, that I um, thought one of his most fascinating compositions called Moon Rays. And, of course, Horace Silver, one of the outstanding figures in modern jazz, not only as a pianist, but a composer and a band leader who uh, was the longest contracted um, artist for Blue Note Records. He began recording for them, of course, way before when he was a member of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, but he formed his first quintet in 1956 after leaving the Messengers, and he continued to record usually two albums per year for Blue Note Records, and they are the most consistently well-rehearsed and wonderful albums. They're a music library in themselves, and of course the various editions over the years with different people making up the uh, Horace Silver Quintet. I was fortunate enough to hear quite a bit of Horace in person um, from different eras, and uh, it was always a a very enlightening and uh, wonderful experience to hear him play live and to hear and to just watch how he um, basically controlled the band, gave everybody lots of freedom to express themselves, but um, was very always, the bands were always uh, tight, organized. They were never loose kind of jam session um, type situations, always organized. Well, Horace being a Virgo, uh, <laughs> that would maybe account for it or just really the way he felt about music. And um, he wrote a biography. Uh, if you're interested in, in exploring um, some of Horace Silver's uh, life, very interesting and very frank, well-written biography called Let's Get Down to the Nitty Gritty. And uh, it's worth looking for. You can check it out. You'll, you'll find it, of course, if you, uh, if you Google it on, uh, on your computer. Horace Silver. Yes, sir. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. My name's Gavin Walker. And uh, we're also, of course, for live streaming, www.citr.ca. And... Uh, Speaking of websites, a couple of very important ones to uh, consider. Um, one of them, of course, is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, the people that bring you the jazz festival every year. And, of course, on that website, it's very complete, very concise, and um, worth browsing around. Also, the schedule at uh, one of Vancouver's leading jazz clubs, Frankie's, Frankie's Jazz Club, right across the street from BC Place on Beatty Street, um, have a lot of jazz music there Wednesday right through Sunday. Uh, it's programmed by the redoubtable Corey Weeds and the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, so there's all kinds of wonderful music there. And you can check out the, uh, this, the uh, schedule on the Coastal Jazz website, which is coastaljazz.ca. They also produce concerts throughout the year, 
and uh, they'll all be listed on there as well. And it's, uh, as I said, it's a very comprehensive website. Coastaljazz.ca. Also, another fine website is VancouverJazz.com. That's a good one, too, because you can browse around that. There's lots of interesting information on there and uh, up-and-coming events, um, even previews of our jazz features, etc., etc., all kinds of things on that website. That's VancouverJazz.com. And I always like to mention, of course, the historic Patricia Hotel, Pat's Pub, every Saturday afternoon from 3 until 7. They have some of our finest music down at Pat's Pub. It's been going for over 10 years now. Very successful venue in Vancouver's downtown east side. And um, it's free. Yeah, everybody's kind of, you know, a little, uh, a little tight for money these days. So you don't have to pay a cover to get into Pat's Pub. There's never ever has been a cover for the Saturday afternoon jazz. And uh, as I said, if you haven't had a chance to hear uh, many of our incredible musicians that live here, um, you'll get a chance to at Pat's Pub. And it won't cost you an arm and a leg. So there you go. From 3 to 7 every Saturday, rain or shine, and... The real deal is to get there early because it's usually quite packed out on Saturdays. So there you go. <laughs> every Saturday at Pat's Pub. All right. Pug Rock's premier sisters, Skating Polly, are returning to Vancouver, earning praise from members of X, The Flaming Lips, Babes in Toyland, and more. The grungy three-piece plays September 4th at Lana Luz, joined by local phenomenon Joe Past. Tickets available at rickshawtheater.com and both Red Cat Records locations. See you there. The Study and Go Abroad Fair is back in town on Sunday, September 29th at the Vancouver Convention Center, East Building. Meet face-to-face -face with top universities from around the world. Learn about degrees in law, medicine, health sciences, arts, technology, pharmacy, business, hotel management, and much more. Check out the Travel Zone for internships, language travel, and work abroad. For more info, visit www.studyandgoabroad.com. Admission is free. Yes, we're going to pay tribute to another musician, lesser known, but an extremely fine pianist who was uh, celebrating a birthday anniversary today. Now, I'm talking about Walter Davis Jr. Now, Walter Davis um, was originally from Newark, New Jersey, and uh, um, he established a reputation for himself in the, uh, in the late 1950s and joined, um, took Bobby Timmons' place in Art Blakey's Jazz, jazz Messengers. Uh, and he was um, sort of uh, a deputy piano player in, in that band. And then, of course, uh, he began recording under his own name 
and and freelancing. A, a rather amazing musician. He was uh, uh, he worked with drummer Philly Joe Jones in his band, and recorded fairly prolifically during that time. And uh, he was classically trained and uh, an incredible um, uh, virtuoso piano player. He really had uh, wonderful technique, but he played, he didn't play the technique, he played music. And um, Walter Davis was uh, well loved by just about all the great musicians in, uh, in New York City at the time. And so we're going to pay a little tribute and play you some music by Walter Davis uh, in a trio context. So you'll get, really get a chance to hear his work. Walter Davis on piano, Buster Williams on bass, and Art Blakey on drums. And we're going to hear two compositions by Walter. First one was um, in, dedicated to uh, a lady friend of his named Ronnie, and it's called Ronnie's A Dynamite Lady. <laughs> okay, so uh, that's the first tune. The second tune is called Backgammon. And then we're going to move to a solo piano performance of um, Bud Powell's beautiful tune called I'll Keep Loving You. And, of course, Bud Powell was really... Um, Bud Powell and Thelonious Monk were both um, musicians that inspired Walter Davis to become the piano player that he did. And you hear um, references in his playing. So here then as a small tribute to Walter Davis Jr. Here he is.
the music of pianist Walter Davis, Jr., who is uh, a rather overlooked but very important figure in modern jazz. He was active from the uh, late 1940s, really, until 1990. He passed away June the 2nd, 1990. He was 57 from uh, complications of uh, liver and kidney disease. He was born today in Richmond, Virginia, September 2nd, 1932, and raised in Newark. And, um, of course, he recorded with all kinds of people, Max Roach, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie. Um, he, he toured Europe with uh, trumpeter Donald Byrd, recorded for them, um, realized his dream. He became pianist and composer-arranger for Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And uh, he retired briefly from music, uh, in the 1960s to work as a tailor, a painter, and a designer. And then he returned in the 70s to perform with Sonny Rollins and again with the Jazz Messengers. And then, of course, he recorded with all kinds of prominent musicians. Uh, Jackie McLean, Sonny Chris, Archie Shipp, um, all kinds of people. And, of course, uh, a very, very distinctive uh, pianist. So we heard three tunes uh, from a rather rare album which came out on the Denon label out of Japan. And we heard Walter Davis on piano with Buster Williams on bass and Art Blakey on drums playing two of Walter's compositions, the first one called Ronnie's a Dynamite Lady, obviously a friend of Walter's, and uh, the second tune was called Backgammon after the uh, board game. And the third tune... Um, that he did as a solo performance was Bud Powell's beautiful ballad entitled I'll Keep Loving You. And, of course, Bud Powell, being one of the pioneers of modern jazz piano, was one of um, the great people that inspired Walter Davis Jr. to become a musician in the first place. Bud Powell and Thelonious Monk were both influences on Walter Davis Jr., so we heard a little taste of his music. I hope you enjoyed the um, improvisations, the compositions of Walter Davis, Jr. We're going to change the pace right now. Just tell you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 on your computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming. And we're going to turn our attention now to the great Carmen McCrae. And he's, she's performing here with uh, Jimmy Rolls on piano, Joe Pass on guitar, Chuck DeMonico on bass, and Chuck Flores on drums. And this piece of music was written by the pianist on the date, Jimmy Rolls, in dedication to Thelonious Monk. And it's a humorous piece. Carmen uh, delivers a, a great intro to, hear, to this that you're going to hear, and it's called The Ballad of Thelonious Monk, and then we're going to follow this with some music by Thelonious Monk. We'll tell you all about that later, but first, Carmen McRae. The next song is so really completely away from this one I've just sung for you, the last one. 
that uh, it's hard to believe that this cat is really that much of a genius, and he is to me. I love him dearly because we are very dear friends, and we love each other very much. But I have to sort of cop out a little bit and tell you about this next song, y'all. Now, Jimmy Rose has written a song about one of our innovators of progressive jazz, another pianist, in fact, and his name is Thelonious Monk. Now, I gather when you say that that uh, you know who I'm speaking of. Now, for the people who are going to buy this record, <laughs> which better be in the millions, I would like to explain about Thelonious Monk just in case they're not aware. This is a gentleman who, uh, if you saw him just sitting, you know, anywhere or walking down the street, the last thing you would think of him as being is a uh, piano player of uh, the worth that he is because he doesn't look like it. You know what I mean? He's a beautiful looking cat with a beard and, a, and sort of very stern looking, but uh, with all that, he never forgets to wear a hat. Could be a yarmulke with a dashiki on. He don't care. He's gonna have something on top of his head. Now, right? Now, for those of you who have heard Monk play, it's kind of hard to picture anybody writing a song about Thelonious that's in a country and western vein. Now, is it? <laughs> now, you see, that's where everything just throws me for a loop because I say to myself, if Thelonious Monk were ever reincarnated 133 times. He ain't never coming back here as no cowboy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, anybody that can think up a country and western song about Thelonious cannot be wrapped too tight. Let's face it. He ain't coming up after me, is he? No. But we love him. And this song is built to make you laugh. And we hope you'll enjoy it. And it's called The Ballad, what else, of Thelonious Monk. How about that intro? Don't it get you right here? I used to think cowboy music was the only thing there was. Then I heard Thelonious Monk. The place was filled to the rafters with musicians and the fuzz. They all loved Thelonious Monk. I didn't know what he was playing, but the dog next door kept baying, and the waitress was humming along. And I forgot about Gene Autry. Up bebop and 
forgot about the cows wouldn't feed my horse any hay that horse he knew i had them records and he hung around the house ears are cocked just to hear the monk play he threw me clear to santa monica when he heard And my heart goes clickety-clunk. Now that's all I want to hear. And I've branded my last year. All because. All because. All because. Of the loneliest monk shopping do we shall down down.
Yes, that was, of course, Thelonious Monk. But uh, before that, we heard Carmen MacRae with uh, her long-spoken uh, intro um, talking about the ballad of Thelonious Monk, which was written by her pianist, Jimmy Rolls. And we heard Carmen sing the whole thing with Jimmy Rolls on piano, Joe Pass on guitar, Chuck DeMonico on bass, and Chuck Flores on drums, all recorded um, November 1971 at Dante's in Los Angeles. And, of course, Dante's was a famous jazz club down there at, uh, at one time. Then we moved to the music of Thelonious Monk, recorded at the Village Gate uh, in September of 1963. We heard some solo piano first uh, by Monk playing Johnny Green's famous Body and Soul. And then we uh, segued into uh, the Monk Quartet with um, Charlie Rouse on tenor saxophone, John Orr on bass, and the great Frankie Dunlop on drums doing rhythming, Monk's composition. And, of course, um, that was um, one of those recordings. It was a, a bit of a bootleg recording because... A monk was under contract to Columbia Records, and somebody went into the village gate and uh, recorded that on a, uh, a small tape recorder and then put out a, uh, a record of it. Uh, they weren't really supposed to, but uh, it was obviously Thelonious Monk having a, a good night, um, and what, uh, what it lacked in sound quality made up in quality of the music. And that's very important. So we move now to Dizzy Gillespie. Now, this piece of music was one of the first bossa nova pieces that I ever heard. And I'd never heard the bossa nova beat uh, before this piece of music. And it was at a Dizzy Gillespie concert with... Uh, this very same band, and they played here in Vancouver at the Playhouse Theater, right behind the, uh, the QE Theater. And it was a marvelous evening of jazz, and the original cellar was still open, and the whole band went down uh, after the formal concert uh, to the cellar, and uh, jammed with some of the local musicians, and we all had a chance to uh, to talk with uh, Dizzy and Lalo Schifrin and um, various members of the band. And it was uh, one great evening. But this was the tune that they opened the concert with, and, of course, it won over everybody. The tune was written by um, Antonio Carlos Jobim, and it's called No More Blues, or known as, um, in, in Portuguese, it's Chega da Saudade, my faulty pronunciation. But anyway, it, it works out to No More Blues. So Dizzy on trumpet with Leo Wright, one of my all-time favorites on alto saxophone, Lalo Schifrin on piano, who was the arranger for the band, and Christopher White on bass, and Rudy Collins on drums. And added on this performance um, is a very fine um, Hungarian guitarist, Sigen Alec 
Basic is added on guitar, and there's some percussion by Pepito Reistria added on this particular performance, which was um, done sometime in New York in 1962. So here's Dizzy Gillespie, and no more blues.
Yeah, some sound effects at the uh, beginning of that tune because they called this album Dizzy on the French Riviera, but I'm not sure it may have been possibly recorded in France, but uh, my spies tell me that it was recorded in New York City and they kind of overdubbed those effects. Anyhow, we heard a great performance by the Dizzy Gillespie Quintet plus some additional players. Um, and, of course, uh, this was the exact same band, basically without the guitar, that uh, played here in Vancouver in 1962 and, and opened the concert with this tune. And uh, um, I, along with everyone else, had never heard Bossa Nova before or that, that rhythm before. And, of course, um, Dizzy was one of the pioneers of that because he had uh, been to South America. And his arranger, Lalo Schifrin, uh, kind of hipped him to it as well. Of course, um, Dizzy didn't really capitalize on that. It was Stan Getz that <laughs> eventually did and, of course, um, resuscitated his career. He can uh, tip his hat to the bossa nova for doing that. Anyhow, this was Dizzy Gillespie with um, on trumpet, of course, leading the band with Leo Wright on alto saxophone, a magnificent player, Lalo Schifrin on piano, who went on to, of course, become uh, world famous as a composer of uh, scores for movies and classical music and so on and so forth. Lalo is still alive, too. Um, he was the arranger for the band, played piano. Christopher White on bass and Rudy Collins on drums. And the additional players on here, uh, Tsigen Alec Basic was the guitarist, uh, Gypsy. Um, or Roma, um, more properly, I'm sorry, um, guitarist, and um, Pepito Reistra uh, on percussion. And uh, the tune we heard, of course, was written by Carlos Jobim and entitled No More Blues, Dizzy Gillespie. We're going to close this show with an astounding live performance from the Olympia Theater by Sonny Rollins and one of his most adventurous quartets. And, of course, this was a very adventurous period for the great Sonny Rollins. But this band he had together comprised of Don Cherry on trumpet, who I, I just adore Cherry's playing on here, um, Henry Grimes on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums, and of course Mr. Rollins on tenor saxophone, who will be having a birthday um, a, a few days from now, and uh, he is still with us. But uh, January 19th, 1963, in Paris at the Olympia Theater with this band, he was in magnificent form, and the recording quality is okay. Um, these recordings were issued on small European labels and were very hard to find, um, but this is one of the finest examples of this band's playing. So here is Sonny Rollins, Don Cherry, Henry Grimes, Billy Higgins playing Sunny Moon for two. Thank you. 
Thank <laughs> you. 
Recorded at the Olympia Theater in Paris in January of 1963, that band did a European tour, and of course that was one of uh, Sonny's most adventurous bands, and he was in a very adventurous frame of mind, playing everything possible on the tenor saxophone. Sonny Rollins, along with um, some of my favorite work by... Don Cherry on trumpet, and Henry Grimes on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums. And uh, that was Sonny's classic blues composition called Sunny Moon for Two, and uh, this extended version. This is a very loose-knit uh, quartet, and of course um, um, they listened to one another and played very, very freely, and... Uh, it was really a very adventurous time in uh, Sonny's long career. And we're happy this uh, music, even though the sound quality uh, wasn't great, we're, sound, uh, we're very happy that someone over in Europe decided to record these performances and issue them first on uh, small European labels. And uh, then eventually they worked their way over across the ocean. So uh, a very fine example of this band, the way they uh, could sound. All right, sunny moon for two. Closing our show this evening, we hope that uh, if you were here for a part-time, great, and if you were here the whole time, wonderful. Uh, we do this every week on CITR, and of course this is another edition or the end of another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR, obviously. Um, we're also, we also live stream, and of course that's very simple, citr.ca. It's a good way to listen to us, um, rather than sometimes the, uh, the vague signal in different parts of uh, Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. And uh, that's a good way, uh, online. So, I hope you can join us again next Monday evening for another edition of The Jazz Show. We start at 9 p.m. My name's Gavin Walker, and be, on behalf of uh, everyone, have a great time. Next week, it's all kind of, you know, the old uh, cliche, back to work, back to school, back to normal, <laughs> all that stuff. All right, take care, and we'll see you in seven days' time. Thanks again. Bye-bye.
Thank you.